Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 221 of the DFO Rundown. It's brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now at Patano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And man, is there lots going on in the NHL and really in the hockey world right now? Of course, uh, Memorial Cup's beginning. Uh, the Stanley Cup. Hey, tonight we could find out that the Stanley Cup is uh, who's is going to be, when's it going to start. Sorry, Dallas fans. It's inevitable. So why not just have it painless? or less pain, and ended in four games. I'm sorry, I think that's what everybody but Dallas fans wants tonight, Frank. Uh, people want to get right to the Stanley Cup. And for the first time since 1992, we could have both conference finals be sweeps. Yeah. Uh, what would be way more fascinating is if we have the guarantee of a new Stanley Cup champion. Vegas Golden Knights never having won. The Florida Panthers never having won. That's really exciting. We had that back actually in 2018 when the Caps and and Golden Knights met, uh, coincidentally enough. And I just think there's such juice to it. Like the excitement is a little bit different. It's not the same old, same old. You have some new blood in the mix. And um, I don't root for teams, but I root for stories. And that would certainly be one that I'd be rooting for. Um, The Florida Panthers are into the Stanley Cup final for the second time in franchise history. First time in 27 years since 1996. Tyler wasn't born yet. Uh, They will be looking for their first ever victory in the Stanley Cup because, of course, they were swept that year by uh, Colorado. Um, You look at the uh, Panthers. They are rolling. You've got uh, Bobrovsky. uh, You have Kachuk, who's scoring key goals uh, for them. But what did you make of Rod Brindamore's uh, postgame uh, afterwards, like I, I get what he's saying. Hey, you know what? People are going to look back at this as a sweep, and you know we didn't lose four games. And I get what he was saying. You know, like you're you're speaking off the cuff right away. But the thing that stood out to me was he said, "I thought we took really big strides this year." And I think the concern for Caroline is qu- quantity in the regular season. They crush you with shots. They work hard. Like their work ethic, their defensive structure, top notch. They just don't have a game breaker. And, and Svechnikov's career-high 69 points. I don't put him as a game-breaker. Max Pacioretty's career-high 67 points. I don't put him as a game-breaker. If you're the Carolina and you're Don Waddell, do you have to go out this summer and try to make a big, significant trade? you got a lot of depth to acquire a game-breaker. I think you have to try, and I think the thing is they did try. They felt Timo Meyer would be that game-breaker, and that's why I have no issue with their approach at the deadline. I, I saw them getting hammered again. Eddie Olchick ripped them during the broadcast uh, this round, basically saying exactly what you did. They didn't do anything at the deadline. Well, if you target one guy, you think he can be that for you, which by the way, Timo Meyer wasn't in the playoffs for the New Jersey Devils. And you don't get him. It doesn't mean you go and blow your brains out on the next guy on your list just because he's number two. Like, I like, and I'm not going to change my tune just based on the Hurricanes losing because I go back to the conversation I had with Tom Dundon, and if you didn't listen to it, go back to Frankly Speaking. It was one of the first episodes we did. It's one of the best conversations I had with anyone in hockey all year. He said, you want to win the Stanley Cup the next year and the year after that and the year after that. I think there's so many things to chop through with the Canes. Uh, One, I think change is coming because it has to. Uh, they've got so many guys that are entering the final year of their deal. First off, they need a new contract for their captain, Jordan Stahl, in the immediate term. But essentially, Brett Pesci, Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, Netchash, like Netchash is, a, is an RFA. But all those guys, are, they're all entering the final year of their deal next year. And we know that the Carolina Hurricanes loathe to pay market value for their players and that most of the time their, their MO is to cut bait. So if you are cutting bait with Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, you know, your team and your core, I doubt they're going to do that with Sebastian Ajo because for a team that needs a game breaker, taking one you know, yeah. player a notch below that out of your mix doesn't seem to make any sense. But taking some defense 
core pieces out. Like that's, that was the heartbeat of their run to the conference final was it was on the back of their defense. So change is coming, but I also think I understand to your point, what, what he's saying about the series, like waking up today has to feel like you got hit in the face with a two by four. You lost four games, all one goal games, two of them in OT and one of them with under five seconds to play. And the, the, the fourth loss was just a one, nothing game. Like I get what you're saying about the lack of scoring. Um, and I think that's a real thing. I'd have more questions about their approach and their system. The fact that there seemed to be very little adjustment based off of what Rod Brindamore likes to do and how his team likes to play that I think they needed to change it up more that they didn't get the line stayed the same for a long time. Uh, the approach, this constant dump it in, dump it in, dump it in. I, I know the, the Panthers were really successful at it, but I, I find it to be a really hard way to win four rounds. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I think that that style that they don't necessarily have a lot of natural finishers. So that, that leads to you playing that way a little bit. Um, you know, you look at them and it's, it is interesting because if, if you look just purely from a team building standpoint and say, okay, what do we need? And what is an opposing team? Who's good need Toronto and Carolina could make a trade that, that makes a lot of sense. It could be a hockey trade that benefits both teams. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I still believe Toronto's biggest need is better defenders. Carolina needs an offensive guy. Toronto's got a lot of them. Will, would that be a trade that, that makes sense? We'll see. Um, it's one so that I So what would you propose? Like, give me names. Well, I look at Toronto, and, and I'm not – Mitch Marner's the guy I would consider if I was Toronto because, like, I don't think Austin Matthews – um, and, and, and what you just said, like, I don't think that Carolina is going to pay Austin Matthews to be the highest paid guy in the NHL. I'd be surprised. I've gotten to go against what Dunnan's always done. Now, maybe he surprises us. Who knows? Maybe this, maybe this loss will, he say, you know what? I'm going to have to pay to get a big name score, but you look at it. And if you can, you know, you can build a trade around some pieces in Carolina, um, that, like, do you want to give up both Pesci and Brady Shea? I know they're both pending UFAs. That would be a lot, but it's nine. No, they have one more year left. Yeah, I know, but they're both pending UFAs in a year is what I'm yeah. saying, right? So you're Toronto. Is that a risk? Marner's only got two years. But I just, when I look at two teams and they clearly have weaknesses that the other one has strengths in, I just wonder if, if there's the making of a significant, now it would be significant, but would there be a makings of a significant deal between those two? So let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to be an asshole or degrade anyone, but have you watched Mitch Marner in the playoffs? Yeah, well, you know what? Hey, Frank, people said that about Matthew Kachuk last year in Edmonton. He was a ghost in games two to five against against the orders. He did nothing, right? And there were some people saying, he well, he still finished the playoffs with 10 points in 12 games. I, I know that he was absent in the Battle of Alberta, but he's a big reason why they won the first round. Yeah, and and Mitch Marner um, obviously this year didn't uh, didn't put now Mitch Marner's not a goal scorer, so that's the one concern you know he had. But Marner had though, the year before he had eight points in seven games in that seven game series loss, right? Like, like, but if I'm Carolina, I'm saying I know that I need someone that's going to contribute. I don't want a question mark as to whether or not he may or may not play well in the playoffs. Like, I'm Marner, not trading my really strong defensive pieces for that. Sure. His career points in the playoffs are 47 and 50 games. It's not like he's being terrible. No, but when it matters most, he's, he's pressing, he's nervous. He's cl- and, yeah. and there are some people that think that that's part of it is because he's from Toronto and cares maybe. so much that maybe yeah, like- getting him out of that, he'll relax a bit and be a better. He'll just be the regular season Mitch Marner. Like there's lists of there's long guys. I've gone through it before. Go look at Pavel Datsuk's first many years in, in the playoffs. Henrik Zetterberg, right? Same thing. Like Pavel Datsuk had, I think five or six points one year in 24 games for, for Detroit, right? Like it, it happens one year in the playoffs. Jonathan Taves did nothing until the Stanley cup finals for Chicago. They just had an unreal team. So, um, you know, you're always going to have guys in the playoffs. It's, Confidence is one thing. I think you're bang on about Mitch Marner, you know, pressing too much, right? It looks like a guy who's, you know, trying to carry the weight of a city on his shoulders and it hasn't worked. And so we've seen lots of players that go to new places 
and have success in the playoffs. And sometimes, hey, there's guys who right away, you know, emerge. Not most people thought Bobrovsky was a dud in the playoffs. Look at this year. The guy could easily be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. No, no questions asked, really. He's been unreal. So, so who um, would be your pick? Kachuk or Bobrovsky? Oh, I look at that last series and Bobrovsky allowed Bobrovsky had a 966 save percentage in the series. Kachuk scored some massive goals. He Don't scored wrong. three of the four winners. Yeah. Two and OT, one with 4.9 seconds left. Bobrovsky only let in six goals. Like, look, he set the NHL record for most saves above expected in game one. Yeah, but one. that's that. Oh, well, that's that's what's going to happen when you play four OTs. Like, come on. Yeah. But well, there's and then there was another game. stat that was like, oh, he had the most saves in a in a in the first three games in a series. Like, of course he did. They played one additional game during that stretch. Yeah, the he also like, got a shot. The Canes didn't saves. even throw a ton of rubber at him. Like, look at look at the game in game three. Look at the three blocker saves he made. Two of them specifically on Aho. Otherwise, they they lose that game. And who knows what happens if Carolina I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's a great debate it, yeah. as to which one is actually the MVP. And it's going to be fascinating to see if the Panthers win. How would those votes break down? Here's the thing. I think I think Matthew Kachuk, for some people, is the better story. And some people are like, geez, I wrote Bobrovsky off for years. And God forbid if I give him a con smite. So I don't think there's anything to nah. do with that. I still I, think that two things can be true at the same time. That one, Bobrovsky's contract has been the worst that's ever been handed out. And two, that he's been on fire. Oh, yeah. He's been unreal this year. And so. that he can be a Conn Smythe winner. I will say this, though. I don't see a, the loser. If Panthers lose, the Conn Smythe's not going to them because I think Jack Eichel or Marcia so yeah. in Vegas. But is there a chance that if the Panthers win, those two cancel each other out and someone else from Vegas, if they have a really strong series no. and conference final? I'd be, I'd be stunned if that happens. Like how I think if Florida wins, it's going to be Kachuk and Bobrovsky one, two, it's just going to be a matter of who's one and who's two on every ballot. I do. I wouldn't see how anybody would have someone. Well, I think Bobrovsky's one, but he's Kachuk's three. I don't see how. No, I agree with you. Yeah. So no, I think it, but so you're, going, you're going Bob and I'm going to say Kachuk heading into the final. That's how it is. But obviously, you know, the, the final gets weighted a little bit more. It's more important, of course. Um, so we'll see how it goes. And Hey, Vegas is good, man. Like that is they're they're no e easy team. And you know, the Dallas stars have, uh, have imploded. No data off tonight. Uh, no Jamie Ben, a stupid play by him. Two game suspension. And I have no problem. The fans too. What, what was up with yeah. that? Nah. I thought like, I thought only Philadelphians were allowed to do that. Oh, Hey, New Jersey. That's what, I, that's what everyone says. Oh, Philly's the worst sports town in the U S the fans are brutal. That's all I ever hear. It's never a. It's only a national story if Philly fans do it. But if they do it in Dallas, it barely even registers a ripple. Now, Dallas. Well, New Jersey did it earlier this year too. They're throwing full beer cans for goodness' sake. So in the regular season game. So I, uh, I, I think that I sadly, Frank. There. I don't know if I can say there's one fan base that gets labeled as the dumbest right now because it's a battle on different time. And and I, I would never it's say so an entire. I don't fan care what anyone says because it's a small percentage of idiots in every city that can ruin it for the majority of fans. Oh, you just meant dumbest in terms of throwing stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was one absolute money tweet from Pete Blackburn. Uh, it was a, a gif of the, a fan throwing a full bag of popcorn at the golden Knights. Yes. As they were coming out of the tunnel and, and he wrote, they're throwing stuff at the wrong team. <laughs> And it was it was perfect. Like down four nothing at the end of the first period on home ice with a chance to get back in the series. Like, come on, that's your performance. Yeah. And then, well, what about Aiden Hill afterwards? Man, I was stopping everything was hitting me. That was a great line by him in the post game too. I thought that was awesome. He's played very well. I'll give him credit, man. Because I, hey, I know that it's not like he's getting left out on an island and having to stand on his head. But he's made some pretty key saves in that series. I'll tell you what, Aiden Hill has has moved up the rankings um, on our top free agent list. Oh yeah, Aiden Hill is now up to twenty five. He was not ranked in the first top fifty. Really? Okay. Yeah, and the uh, so we played twenty seven games in the regular season, nine fifteen save percentage. So I went through and in the new top 50 this week posted some contract projections from our friends at AFP analytics 
who sent over the data. And I, I don't think they're perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of things that those projections leave out, such as playoff performance and human emotion of negotiating because that becomes a real thing. You see players get an extra million bucks every time based on their yeah. situation. Um, but I thought the projections were really good. I ran them through a couple agents, a couple GMs. Hey, are these within the ballpark, the realm of possibility? And they, they all basically gave it a thumbs up. <clears throat> Aiden Hill was projected at two years times 3.3 million. So seems pretty reasonable for a guy that really has played quite well at every turn. Anytime he's been called upon in these playoffs, he's been money. You know, I, I, hey, can't argue that. Uh, they've got a good system, and the, their goaltenders are, hey, he's making lots of saves. It's, you know, it's not like he's strolling through with a 902 save percentage or anything. He is, he's being really good, and that's why, uh, and I'm sorry, people are going to say, oh, you're putting the cart before the horse. No, I'm sorry. Dallas is done. They're not winning four straight, okay? If, if they manage to squeak out a win, good for them, but they're not winning. Uh, they're not pushing this game, this series to seven games and suddenly coming back and winning. It's just not happening. Do they get swept? I think they do. I think that I think the Jamie Ben and the Dadanoff injury. I'm like, you know, hey, guys are going to give you everything, but Jake Ottinger for whatever reason looks off in this series. Like that, he's looked off these whole playoffs outside oh. of the first round. Yeah. So uh, I just he's I think sub 900. Yeah, Vegas will want to finish want to finish them off. Right. Uh, they uh, they had a chance finish off Edmonton. They did. They had a chance finish off Winnipeg. They did. And I think they're going to finish off Dallas. So. Um, and then when do you think the NHL, the Stanley cup playoff starts? Obviously I assume that we could, they start as early as Sunday or probably not and wait and give them more time off. No. So my understanding is there's two scenarios. It's been scheduled to start for a long time on June 3rd. I think everyone was, that's the most mind blowing part of these conference finals is that I didn't envision even one short series, let alone two. And to think that they could be sweeps is mind blowing. Um, so it was scheduled to start on June 3rd, which is the following Saturday. They're not going to take a week. I'm told game one right now, if Vegas wins in four or five, is projected to be Wednesday, May 31st. Yeah, that'd make more sense. Which would give uh, Florida six full days off between games. Yeah, and Vegas... Uh, five if they win tonight. Five or three. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't think fatigue is going to be an issue when the final starts. And no, it'll be good. You know what's interesting? Um, speaking of Pete Blackburn, he mentioned the other day that almost every team that's won the Stanley Cup, with the exception of the Blues in 2019, over the last 25 years, has had at least one short series along the way. That there's something to the idea of you can't slug it out for six or seven games every time, every round that whether it was a five gamer or a sweep, everyone's had at least one easy one along the way. What do you make of that? Well, didn't the LA Kings play 26 games when they won? Uh, The first time around they had a five game series uh, for sure. I think they had a couple five game series. Because I, I thought the Kings in uh, in 2004. I thought that too, and then uh, well, no, so I know. So yeah, they they, they actually in 2012 they swept the second yes. round and the first round was it was five four five and then the cup final or the cup final against the Devils went six. They steamrolled everyone, and then 2014 was seven seven seven, 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 seven and seven five. But the last one was five. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I guess, but you know, that was the last one. So at that point, I guess it's kind of shorter, but yeah, that was, you know, and they won those three, lots of game sevens on the road. They came, didn't they, they came back from a three, nothing deficit. Hey, the Kings, you know what? Uh, they had for a three year stretch there. They're pretty dominant, uh, them in Chicago for sure. So, um, it, now there are a few other things, Frank. It's funny how now Did you have, you had some other free agents you wanted to ask about. Uh, well, there, there are a few like that, that interest me. Um, you know, as I said, to, I've always believed, and I've written articles about this. I've talked about it for years. Free agency is where more mistakes than home runs happen every year. And, and I actually think this everyone week, listening is, is nodding their head in their car. They're like, yes, yes, yes. keep going. Um, I think this is the year where there's, I don't, 
foresee a lot of super long deals. Somebody's going to get six years for sure, but I don't think, because it's the length of the contracts that normally crushes teams even more than the cap hit. Sometimes a combination of both, but a lot of times it's the length. And you know, there's just not a lot of guys that I see teams willing to want to go more than six years with. And I'll be curious to see how many there's any to even get four or five. Right. So I don't think there's anyone that gets more than six years. No, I, I wouldn't. I don't see any reason to, unless, unless somebody gives you seven years at, at like, uh, was it, um, oh, who was Nashville signed like a depth guy for seven years? Yarncroc, I think it was. No, I think it was Colton now. Sissons they signed. And then they had, um, they signed um, the player, uh, Tampa signed the player that they traded for, right? Hold on. I'm pretty sure Callie Yarncroc got a seven year deal once. Colton Sissons was seven years, 20 million. But that was he was a guy that was in their system. That was six years for sorry, it was six years with the Preds for um, at two million bucks a year for Yonkrock. So, I think teams actually get themselves into trouble with those contracts. Like, look at someone like um, the Kings did it a long time back. Who was that player that they signed to that major long term deal? But like a, uh, like two million bucks for like Yonkrock turned out to be a really good contract at two mil. Right, I think Kyle Clifford's the guy I'm thinking of. Five years, eight million bucks. Oh well, yeah. Maybe. It's just like, I feel like whenever you do that and you go super long term with a guy that is toward the bottom of your lineup in terms of depth pieces, you know, bottom six, they never really seem to work out all that well. Yeah, well, that was Nashville's thing though, and Sissons was worked out. I think uh, Yarncroft definitely did. He was a pretty solid player for them, but. Um, mostly the long-term is what crushes. And I, I look at teams this year and I, and I'm very curious. I saw your rankings, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi is an interesting one for me to see where he goes. I, I think Colorado JT Confer is going to stay there, especially with the Landeskog news. I'd, I'd be like, they, they don't have much center depth. I'd be surprised if, if he leaves unless some team really wants to overpay him. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Frank is I think free agent class this year, there's going to be, if you want to make more money, go ahead. There'll be teams out there that will do it for you. But if you want a chance to be on a competitive team, you're probably going to take a little bit less to stay. Like a guy like Nick Bukestad. I think Nick Bukestad could get way more on the open market than he would get in Edmonton. But having got to the second round and actually, like it was the first time he ever won a series in his career this year. And he talked about how it was amazing for him. He was a healthy wonder. scratch for all of the wild playoff games last year. Yeah. And I look at a guy like Bugstad and I, I wonder, does he say, Hey, do I take more money? Cause the guy scored 17 goals in the regular season. He's six foot six. There's, there's always intriguing win face offs. Someone will give him two and a half mil if he wants it, but would he take less to stay in a team that he thinks can be competitive? And I think there's going to be a lot of guys like that. The problem is the Oilers can't really afford to pay him much more than a million bucks. I, I, well, it depends what they do with the Yamamoto. I, I think they could, I think they could get close to like 1.8 with Bukestad crunching the numbers. I think that would work. Um, but I think, maybe, I think you're wrong on someone like GT Comfort though. Not to say that he's out to get all the money, but this is the one he's not, he doesn't have another crack at free agency. That's but he's gonna, one. See, that's the difference. Well, that, that does help. I also think um, Colorado has a decision to make. Like, First off, we didn't ask the Nachushkin question, and no one really has. Is Nachushkin just going to step right back into the lineup like nothing ever happened after the mysterious circumstances of his personal issue and reason? Uh, that, I think, is a real question to go along with Landeskog. Like, what really happened? And, and more to the point, is the NHL investigating what happened? Um, two... What about Sam Girard? Because I think if if they aren't keeping Landeskog, obviously don't mean not keeping. If they're they're putting him on LTIR, obviously they have a significant amount of space. They don't have to trade Sam Girard like they kind of did before. They could probably keep Girard and JT Comfer at market price, and then find a way to cut somewhere else. But it's going to be tight, and you're probably going to have to make the decision, Comfer or Girard. Well, if I look at what was Colorado's biggest weakness this year, it's scoring depth. The, you know, the, they, Basically, this will be two years in a row that they're without their second line from the year before when they won the Cup. No Burakovsky, no Kadri, no Lannis Scott. 
They two of them were on other teams, and Lannis Gog didn't play a game, and he's not going to play a game next year. You lose JT Comfer, okay, fine. Um, but who are you going to replace him with? Um, I guess you go out there and you look, and like, is Ryan O'Reilly coming back to Colorado? Right? Like, what other centers are there? Like, Jordan Stahl's a really good player. I'm not sure how much offense he brings you. So, what are the other center options realistically to bring in? Right? Like, there's They're just not, not a lot on, on this. Kevin Hayes. Like you're gonna have to look on the trade market. Yeah, well then that, but then you got to give up more assets. So now you've lost comfort for nothing, and you're gonna have to give up more assets to get a guy who's, you know, Kevin Hayes is a good player, but you know, how good is he? I, mean, what's I think he probably gives you a little more than JT Comfort. You think? Eh? Um, it's close. Yeah, I like. I, I mean, like Comfort did have 52 points this year, but. You know, Kevin Hayes can kind of give you 25 goals and 55 points, and he's a really good defensive player. I don't know. Like, do you do you go with the guy you have, or or can you? I think you can trade for Kevin Hayes at a three and a half or four million dollar cap hit. So this is what I would do then, Frank. I would trade for Hayes, and I would keep Comfer, and then I would trade um, Sam Girard because I think defensive depth is not Colorado's weakness. Like that's still their strength. They got McCarr and they got Taves. Like I got good defense and Bowen Byram. Like, yeah, I really I mean, like their blue line. Right. So if you think me, about Colorado's back end, Girard, that's why he's a trade candidate. Girard, he plays the fourth most minutes. Yeah, it's and a they great luxury. Him. It's a great luxury to have. But yeah, like and they won the cup without him. But if you're Colorado, you go for like a slight downgrade. You say, uh, I, you know, I'm going to trade Gerard for a, maybe a different stylistic fit. Uh, I'm going to then sign Radko Gudis to three times three and plug him in on the back end with some heft and size. Yeah, or Scott Mayfield. Someone. Like Scott Mayfield, I think there's a defender that the guy knows how to defend. He plays 20 minutes a night. He kills penalties. I, now, the Islanders' power play is terrible, and you know, on a good team, I don't think Scott Mayfield's getting you much power play time. But I like he's six foot five. He's really what the NHL likes is defensive defenders. He's a player. Gabranson got four. Now, I know it's only one team, but I, I'm very curious to see because Scott Mayfield, to me, he's in the JT Comfort category. Like, this is his one and only chance to get a big Oh, hit. yeah. And so, You're right. And I think there's teams, he's got a lot of upside. There's a lot of things to like about Mayfield. I know people in New York, maybe, you know, you don't follow the Islanders very well, but Scott Mayfield, man, he is a guy that I would target. And I, if I was a competitive team, I'm like, I, I don't want a guy who just knows how to defend. I don't need him to get it. If I don't need a lot of offense, he'd be ideal. And, and if you could change Sam Girard and then probably Mayfield at 3.1 or 2, you save 2 million bucks, I think you get a better fit for your team. Mayfield is not, he's not going to play for that cheap. No, I said three. You think he's getting more than 3.2? Yeah. I think he's closer to four than he is three. Okay. Uh, even still within the realm of possibility, yeah. but. Even if he's 3.7, let's say. That you're yeah, still this projection is three times 3.75. Yeah. And so I think he, he's actually probably a bit north of that. Yeah, and even if he's there, you're uh, you're still saving money, and I think you're getting a better fit because Sam Gerrard, as you said, is a luxury on Colorado because they've got enough offense from their back end. They don't need more. So get better fits for what you are, and Mayfield is a really big, solid, strong defender. And, man, what Islander you- fans would probably lose their mind that Colorado has Mayfield and Taves. They stole Taves from them a few years ago. <laughs> that would be It's like Calgary fans watching the Panthers right now, Frank. Got to have nightmares on Bennett and Kachuk and even Ryan Lomberg. Many yeah, uh, number crunching guys thought Lomberg was terrible. The guy scored 12 goals. He scored an overtime winner that I still think should have counted. And then he scored another big goal in game four. Like he's been really good. He's a buzz size, a grit guy for them. And he's, and he's not expensive. So, what do you think was the wackiest projection on this board? I'll give you mine. Speaking of Islander fans, Pierre Engvall at four times 4.1 is like mind blow. I don't, I don't think there's any chance that happens. No. And I thought Jason Zucker at five times 5.4, the guy has been a walking bandaid for the last few years, has a healthy year finally and a great year at 27 goals, but no one is giving him a five-year deal. No. 
Well, the other one to me, and I think he'll look for, but Max Domi at five times 4.75. I thought that one was a little rich too. For whatever reason, teams haven't wanted to commit to him on a long-term deal. Now he said he's looking for some stability and I understand it. He's, he's sick of wanting to move around all the time. So, but, um, I actually think at four, seven, five, that that's a pretty good value. I'm not saying the term, but at that price, he had 56 points in the regular season and 20 goals. He's scored 20 more than once now. I, I personally look at him and I go, his numbers all seem to indicate he's worth more than what is written on that sheet. And he had a, he's had a great playoff. Yeah. Oh, no, I think, I think he could get, I think he can get four times, you know, four and a half. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Four times five seems right. I'm very interested to see where Alex Kalorn goes and how much does he have left? And will a team want to give him term? Cause that guy's got a lot of miles on his body, man. He's got a lot of experience. He's a good player. He's a huge man, huge man. And so maybe he'll be, but those guys, Frank, historically bigger guys, not fleet of foot. They, the, the speed of the game and age seems to catch up with them a little bit more than other players. This, I think the projection is spot on. You know, you look at Andre Palat last year going to New Jersey. He got um, the extra year. He got five times six. Mm-hmm. Um, Palat's numbers are actually a bit south of Kalorn. And, yeah, he's one or two years younger. But I think four years times 5.25 million is like bang on. Someone is going to pay it. Now, like he turns 30 to start this season. So, Kalorn is no, 34. 34. Yeah. Right? He turns 34 in September. So, yeah. that's uh, four years. I mean, it sounds yeah. right. You might be eating the last year, but 525, like he had 50, he had 64 points last year and 27 goals. Oh, hey, he's a good player. Uh, I just, he also you know where to- Kalorn actually makes some sense to me? And you're going to laugh because we just had this conversation, but like a place like Carolina, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. See, I would even I say they- a place like Florida, that makes sense. Yeah. See, I, Florida, I could see more. Like, I really think Carolina needs a, they need a top-notch center is what they need. Kalorn would be pretty good, I think, in Calgary too. Calgary's got some guys on contracts that are all expiring at 38 and 36, man. Like, uh, hey, speaking of Calgary, Craig Conroy, you know, he was pretty open about the fact that he's got seven guys that are entering the final year of their deal. Doesn't want to be in a Gaudreau situation, so he's going to find out. What do you think he does with Lindholm? I think that's their main target. What's he going to get this summer? Um... It's a good question. I really don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Like I'm sure he looks at Huberdo, and now he's never had 115 points, but he has 40 goals, and uh, I think he's going to want 8.5. I think it's somewhere between eight and a half and nine. Mm-hmm. But the term is going to be. It can't be eight years. I wouldn't go one day over six. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I know that he's going to ask for more and that's going to be the big sticking point. My guess, I, I just, I'm sorry. Like I'm capping it at six years. I'm not paying anyone really much past 34. And Conroy was very open about wanting to sign a captain. And, not sign uh, a captain. He said, we're going to definitely yeah, name a captain. It, yeah. Name a captain. And you know, I saw some people kind of clear that it's going to be Michael Backlund. Yeah. I now, think, Michael, but now, here's the thing about Backlund, though, Frank. He's got one year left on his contract, yep. and uh, when that contract expires, he's 35. So, what do you have a one-year captain? I or think that no, I think that's a mistake. Less. I think you have to figure out if he's going to be there long term first. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. I think the idea of like the Mark Giordano captain in Seattle that was a big mistake. I wholeheartedly agree. I don't know. The one and done. Not saying Mark Giordano was a mistake. The idea that you then were going to turn around and trade him, that was a mistake. Yes. 
So I think if, if Backlund, you have to have a, Hey man, we'll sign you, but your extension, like you're going to be 35 when your extension begins. How much, how much, how much you want? I think I, I see that players are playing longer at a higher level than they have ever before, but still, um, that's usually the elite of the elite and Backlund's really good. I'm not sure I put him as elite. So, you know, Kadri's no. not elite. Like Calgary's got a lot of good guys. I don't have any elite guys really. Maybe Huberdo. Huberdo, I would say, is elite score because for five years he's been a top five score, or maybe top seven now after this bad year. But um, that to me is always the risk is when you give. He's probably good a candidate long term. I think he's probably a candidate as the captain. Yeah, I mean, he they, he came in, they gave him an A right away. Yeah, and. He's just starting an eight-year, $84 million deal. Like, not going anywhere. Speaking of stability. Yeah. Well, Mackenzie Weir. Uh, I think he's also a candidate. We'll see. Hey, let's bring in uh, Tyler Remchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I am. Uh, I'm living good here. Got a new edition of uh, fill in the blank fired up for you guys, and I actually have a lot that I want to get kind of pick your guys' brain on. A few of them tie into the conference finals, and a few of them are off season related questions. But we'll do like rapid fire through the conference finals ones. Uh, number one, touching the conference final trophy is blank. Frank, awesome. I don't, I've seen enough of these to know that it doesn't mean one thing one way or the other to think that you need to only touch the trophy that matters and you can't celebrate what you've accomplished, I think is insane. A hundred percent. It is the most ludicrous. We've seen guys touch the trophy and win. We've seen people not touch the trophy and lose. Like who cares? It has zero bearing on whether or not you win the Stanley cup or not. So, you know what? I, I, our society of thinking, the only thing that matters is the cup. No, it's, you got to celebrate all the steps on the journey. So I'm all for it. I have no issue with it. Teams have done it recently. And I think you're going to see more teams doing it. And and why not? It, uh, it makes perfect sense. Enjoy that moment for what it is. Then you move on to the final step. I, I'd have to go back and look at it. But I think after four trips or whatever to the cup final, Sidney Crosby was just like, ah, like he's the most superstitious guy on the planet when yes. it comes to hockey. He was like, yeah, whatever. Let's just, let's enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he did it. That's exactly what he said. He goes like, who cares? So. Well, especially when you're going to have like six days off or potentially a week off until the Stanley Cup final. You can really enjoy that thing in winning the conference in the moment. Uh, Jamie Ben's excuse for cross-checking or falling on Mark Stone was blank, Jason. Expected. Um, now, Come I don't on. know that. I don't know. Listen, I don't know the timing of did he have his meeting prior to that press conference with player safety? No idea. Because if he didn't, first of all, this is like the dumbest PR move in history. Why do you trot out a guy before he's had his meeting? Of course he's not going to say anything that's remotely going to put him in a bad light. Yeah, you know what? Geez, I'm really sorry that I cross-checked the guy in the neck. Like, he's never going to say that. Like, Alex Petrangelo, after he got suspended, still had no remorse. He was like, well, dry settle. He laid down on the ice, you know? So I, I'm not expecting these guys to sit there and sewer themselves. They're, they're going to do anything they can publicly. Now, what they do in the private meeting is totally different, right? But Jamie, Ben, you know what? Hey, what he said isn't going to change what he did. It was dumb. Um, it was stupid. It was deserving of a suspension. But I'm not going to get too twisted up about him not sewering himself before he's met with the Department of Player Safety. Frank? Pathetic. Like I tweeted out, <clears throat> damn, I'm so tired of this fork making me fat. It's a great tweet. Come on. Like, take some responsibility. You fell first and then sat up a bit and then cross-checked him in the face. To think that anyone is going to believe your story that you were breaking your fall on his face, like, sorry. It's, it's, it's actually laughable and embarrassing. Dude, it's I'd like rather you just loogie. say, I'd rather you no comment than say that. It's like the magic loogie. <clears throat> All right. Uh, moving on to the off-season questions I got for you guys. The highest AAV that a UFA gets this summer is blank. Frank? 6.1. 6.25. No one above 6.25. And you think it'll be Severson, just like the projections? 
Yeah, I think Severson's got a really good chance. Um, I, look, right shot defenseman, prime of his career. The Devils aren't bringing him back because they've got Nemich and Luke Hughes on the right side. Um, I just think there's such a premium and emphasis placed on right shot defenseman that to get one, you know, look, the cap is going up in a significant way. It, it might not be this summer, but over the term of his deal, it might be up 18 to 20 million bucks and, and a $6 million, six and a quarter million dollar AAV is going to look super reasonable really soon. Jay. For a guy who plays third pair minutes on a competitive team, so he, if he's getting that, I don't think it's on a competitive team. I, I, I don't see it. But um, so, I, but I do agree that I, I don't see anybody getting higher than six point five uh, as far as an AV. So I'm going to say I always think nobody's going to go crazy, but I'm always wrong every year. So I'll say somebody gets six point three. Ooh. That'll be oh, the you going, weenie. You're going prices right on Frank and just going a notch above him. So I, like I, I do think if there's going to be anything crazy spent, it's not going to be at the top. It's going to be on some mid tier guy that gets weight that gets the Eric and Branson last year. That's going to oh, yeah. be the crazy overpay this year for sure. Well, Hey, their teams are always looking for defensemen and um, Hey, you mentioned Scott Mayfield. Uh, I, I could see a team maybe really loading up on him. It happens every year. But it, all it takes like, is so, one, baby. All I know, but that's one. that's one of those really interesting ones because, like, let's say you want to reach to ensure you get the player and you're going to give him five. Mm-hmm. Is that really that insane compared to, like, let's say market value is three, seven, five? Like, again, the cap's going up in such a big way. If you need the player that desperately, it's not that extra one and a quarter million bucks isn't going to absolutely cripple you. You, sh- you just need to find a way to shave it instead of paying your third line guy or fourth line guy one five. You need to make sure that they're making seven fifty. But in the moment, it's easy to say that, right? What? In the moment, it's easy to say that, and then the next summer you go, ah, damn! If we wouldn't have given this guy that extra one mil just to get him, like ah, we would have had more money for this or that. Like I don't know. No, you can add a pretty it's good player good. at the deadline for that. That's the that's always the challenge. But hey, it happens every year. Teams. You know what? They look at their cap and they project and what they think it's going to be, and you know we'll see what happens. And I know, hey, I never get mad at the player, man. If somebody wants to pay you more than what market value is, good for you. All right, uh, two more for you guys, the people listening to our podcast who are fans of teams that didn't make the playoffs. They've been grinding through a lot. Maybe haven't heard about their team, so I'm going to give uh, give them a chance to maybe hear about their team here. The non-playoff team in the Eastern Conference that will be the most active this summer is blank. While you guys maybe think, a little reminder, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, Washington, Philly, Montreal, and Columbus. Jason, what's your answer? Good question, man. I'm I'm very intrigued to see what the Capitals do this offseason, to be honest. Um, By definition, they literally have to be active because they have so many guys that are, have expiring yeah. contracts. Um, so the, the, I, I'm going to go with Washington. I just... I. They intrigue me in a lot of different ways and who they're going to go after, maybe who they're going to trade. And so I'm going to go with the Capitals. I'm going to say, I'm going to go off the board a little bit. Uh, I'm going to say the Buffalo Sabres. That was going to be my pick. I don't think they're going to be like swinging for the fences, but I think they've got some work to do to ensure that they're a playoff team next year. That yes, their guys are going to take one other big step forward. But you, you need a boost, I think. And now they know a lot more about what they have. And I think this is the year to solidify that you're a playoff team. Yeah. But guess what? Ottawa is going to try and be doing it too. So, Yeah, like I was debating between Ottawa and Buffalo. My thing was that like it feels like Ottawa's kind of done a lot of that already, right? Like they went and got Giroux last summer. They went and dealt for Chikrin ahead of the deadline. And it's kind of like, okay, like... They've maybe made their big splashes. They'll be working around the edges. Like, I think Buffalo's in a great position to go add, like, a real impact piece to that top six this summer. Got a bajillion dollars in cap space. Buffalo's got to add to their blue line. Yeah, that too. Really? I can really, hey, they're top They've got the twin towers, man. Like, yeah, you've got Darlene and you've got um, power, but 
You know, you got Jacob Bryson and Stillman and, you know, Henry. Don't, on, don't underestimate Bryson, man. I think he's pretty good. Okay. Well, we'll see. Like, you need a vet just, there, though. Could, could you? Matias Samuelson is there. Like, I I, I don't think it's, think I think it's, way, I think they are so much better positioned than almost any other team in, in the entire NHL. Oof. You just don't win with all youth on the blue line. You just don't. I'm with Jay on that. You got to trade. Like, you can trade for one. So if you have that much depth, then go out there and get a good experienced veteran defenseman and doesn't have, I'm not talking 35 year old, but you know, guy 27, 28, that 300 game plus Mark. I just think that's something that would help them. Like, here's a better uh, question. What would you pay Darlene and power this summer? Oh God. I'd be really tempted to try go long-term with both of them. Right? Like if you could get Darlene, you have to, I think. Yeah. No I'm he, like I'm a big fan of Owen Power, man. Like he, I. If you can get them to line up in the same sort of term and dollars, not dollars because they're going to be more expensive, but Cousins and Thompson. Oh baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like then you've got your core together, right? Like um, both like those they, guys signed seven-year deals that kick in this year. If you could sign those guys to seven-year deals. That would have them extend one year past your forwards. Like you are now set for the next seven years, long time, eight years. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, last one for you guys. Predictable. We're going out West for the same question. Calgary, Nashville, Vancouver, St. Louis, Arizona, San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim. The non-playoff team in the West that will be the most active this summer is blank. Frank. St. Louis. Okay. Uh, I've reported earlier this week on Daily Faceoff Live that the Blues, as expected, are talking to teams about moving their extra two first-round picks uh, toward the end of the first round. Um, No surprise, given Doug Armstrong's playbook, but they want players we now know that are 25 and under and under team control. So think of lining up with Cairo and Thomas and Krug and those guys, they want someone that fits their age scheme to reboot this. So I'm going to say St. Louis. That's a good one. The, the uncertainty and the chaos in Vancouver just intrigues the hell out of me. And so um, there's been lots of talk. I'm, I'm not sure what direction they're going, but I still think the Vancouver Canucks, are, uh, are going to make some... Uh, I'm not sure how significant, but I think they're going to make a fair amount of moves. All right. There you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank. Before we go, uh, Frank, your, uh, your Frank Saravalli impersonator on Twitter had uh, people <laughs> going crazy with uh, the suggestion. And it's amazing because I had people that were uh, saying, you're an idiot, buddy, Frank. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I went to your page and I'm like, dude, I don't even see anything. What are you talking about? And then the guy sends me a screen capture. And I'm like, yeah, that's not him, you idiot. Like after calling everybody names, I always chuckle. And I'm like, maybe look at the amount of followers. But anyway, um, it, and it was, I think they just had one. They didn't have the I at the end. They had everything else like word for word, verbatim copying it. And, you know, it had Leafs Nation losing it because it said that they, that they could have gotten Tage Thompson for a fifth, um, for a fifth in the summer before he scored 38 goals. He'd only had six goals and eight assists that season. Yeah. I had and, a better uh, chance getting pregnant. Yeah. So I thought, uh, um, uh, yeah, how many like do you ever get blowback from that like how many people ever fall for those because that one like nowadays people, so i got a bunch of texts this time around from people saying like either a this is hilarious or b do you know about this and they would send me the link to the tweet and i'm like the person has 37 followers like what are we talking about <laughs> so um i had some you know i laughed i got a chuckle out of it and jay like this has happened before like i've been impersonated obviously before, but some of it by my own friends who have had some fun at my expense back when I was covering the flyers and Twitter was sort of in its infancy and no one, you know, this is pre blue check and pre pre like, how do you kind of verify who the person is that I had a friend create a, a, a Twitter account that just the username was Frank Saravalli. That's actually the reason why I have the underscore in there now is because he created it, had the same sort of picture as me, same everything, and was like tweeting out flyers, news, and nuggets. And so he was kind of a, accumulating followers. And then at some point he started working in, uh, 
hey, I was uh, I was in the Flyers locker room today and, and noticed a handle of vodka in Sergei Bobrovsky's locker. You're like, come on, man. Like, that's not something I would say. So, But I didn't know it was him. I didn't know it was one of my buddies. So finally, I report this thing. I'm like, this, this is going to get me in trouble. Someone's going to think that I'm actually reporting this. <laughs> the account gets suspended and taken down. And my buddy calls me and, and is dying laughing. And is re- he reveals that it's him. And now since that happened, I can't get that username because it's like that account has been suspended. You can't have it. And I, I am now stuck with the underscore. Well, that's unfortunate. Many years ago, I was probably, oh, this is early on, I think, like two, maybe 2012. And uh, there was a guy who had started the Jason Greger fan club, but he obviously wasn't a fan. And like he was just, who wouldn't you know, be a fan? Come on. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? If everybody likes your show, you don't have a good show. That's what my teacher told me once. And so, anyway, so, you know, I'm explaining to my wife about this and she's like, well, who is it? And I'm like, I don't know. He's a piece of shit. And because that's what his, the avatar was, was literally a piece of shit. Mm. Right. And so I'm trying to, I'm, she's like, yeah, but who is it? I'm like, I don't know. It's just like a guy who was like a piece of shit. But, and so we're, I'm finally, I'm like, no, literally, it's a guy. I'm like, a literally, shit. it's a piece of shit. <laughs> and so she's like, what are people doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I thought that part actually made me chuckle. It was from, who the, has this um, much time on their hands? It was from the, the, uh, the Simpsons. Remember that, uh, that character who was literally the piece of dung? That's, no. that's who the avatar was. Um, but anyway, so it's, uh, there's always a few of them, but that was the one that I'd never seen that much traction from a, from a fake account in a while. And that was, so, uh, they, they got everyone going. Oh, they got, so I always recommend to people, if you're on social media and you see an account, take, if you're like, Hmm, this seems a tad fish, take an extra second and, and check it on. out. Yeah. So there you go. I, that one, uh, that one made me laugh. It also reminded me of the, uh, uh, the piece of shit. Cause I still laugh about that all huh. the time. Cause for like okay. five minutes, I'm trying to explain to her. I'm like, I don't know who it is. Like you piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, like what's his name? I don't know. It says Jason Greger fan club. It's quite, it was quite uh, funny. So to the person who did that, uh, thanks for the laugh. It was, uh, it was quite funny. Frank, the uh, Stanley cup final. Will it be beginning Wednesday or is Dallas somehow going to magically extend this? Oh, it's beginning Wednesday. Dallas might win one, but they ain't winning two. Oh, see, that was my next question. Is Jamie Ben sitting out the season opener? Yes. Okay. So sweeperama tonight. First time since 1992. And also, how about this? One more stat for you for fun. How about the Carolina Hurricanes? They have lost 12, 12 consecutive, consecutive games. games. Yeah. And a new NHL record. The previous was nine, set by Boston between 91 and 2011. And technically, if you go the round before the Stanley Cup, the uh, Maple Leafs in 54 to 56 lost 10 in a row. But back then, there was only two rounds. Here's um, the big difference. When the Canes went the last two times, they were big surprises. This time around, they were expected to be there. Yeah. And this time around, they still weren't able to get a win on the board, and now they have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, no, that was... um, Four years ago, they were ahead of schedule. This was the year they had circled for a long time to be that team that breaks through. That is tough to swallow. Well, they did have 99 points in 2019. But they were way ahead of schedule. There was the first year, I think, that Tom Dundon had owned the team, first full season... They had really just begun to make some smart moves and changes. Like that was the year they were supposed to, that they were supposed to be a playoff team. No one's expecting that. I covered that run. No one was expecting them to go to the conference final. Yeah, no, that's fair. Frankie, have yourself a wonderful weekend. We will uh, chat with you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.